Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, November the 25th, 2022, the day after Thanksgiving in America. We're post-thanks. We're into the shopping season. The peculiarly bipolar, dichotomous, Manichaean nature of American civilization. Uh, earlier today, we did a show with a Swedish scholar who's written a book for the MIT Press on whiteness. Um, it's a book about how race and racial identity identifies us, whether we like it or not. It's all around us, according to the um, Martin Lund. He's not the only person writing about this stuff. Uh, Baynard Woods, for example, was on the show a few months ago, another writer. He has a book out called Inheritance, an Autobiography of Whiteness, in which he suggests that all whites are complicit, like it or not, um, in the racial hierarchy of American civilization. This idea of complicity, not racial, but a broader conception of complicity is the issue we are talking about today with my guest, Max uh, Bazerman. He is a professor at the Harvard Business School. He's on the road right now. And he has a new book out, appropriately enough, called Complicit, How We Enable the Unethical and how to stop. It's a really interesting book, a very timely book. And Max is joining us from Nashville. I hope his audio will hold up. He he did exactly what I told him not to do, which is use an iPad. But then academics, Max, are, they're naughty people, aren't they? And you're getting in our faces again with this issue of complicity. Explain what you mean by it. Are we all complicit in one evil or another? We're all complicit. And I think that if we are more deliberative, we we can be far less complicit of our behavior. So um, complicit is about all the scandals that all of you have run into before, either by reading a, the newspaper or reading a book or watching them. Complicit isn't about the core actors, Elizabeth Holmes, Adam Newman, Bernie Madoff, et cetera, around them, who allowed the harm to occur. Paul, to all of us, um, to be less complicit in our lives moving. Let's address this issue of, of race, Max. Some people argue that all white people are somehow complicit in the racist architecture. Some people would disagree. There is even a, a racist architecture. Does your notion of complicity extend to race? That a lot of us, um, when we are, when we benefit, fit from privilege, whether it has to do with race or our wealth level, um, often allow um, because we indirectly benefit in some way. Um, so I think that there's kind of those who are negatively affected by some kind of discrimination and the awareness that those fit um, uh, feel in terms of recognizing um, our that accrue due to our privilege. So, so I think that we're complicit when we don't recognize we can to make, make the world a more just place. Max, some people might say, at least before reading your book, uh, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You teach at 
Harvard Business School, one of the most elite and some people might argue corrosive institutions in America right now. We've done lots of shows about how universities are really undermining America, everything from Deverian Baldwin, who talks about how universities like Harvard are plundering, colonizing our cities, with Evan Mandry about how universities maintain and compound the aristocratic nature uh, of American society, uh, Charlie Eaton, who talks about how universities are the core of neoliberalism. Is there a degree of, shall we say, in inconsistency or paradox in that here we have a professor at the famous Harvard Business School writing a book on complicity? Um, so I, I hope I'm not inconsistent, uh, but is there a paradox? Correct. Lots of institutions, including universities and specifically Harvard University, an enormous amount of good. But that doesn't mean that they haven't created harm in the pattern. Like, uh, creating harm. So if you ask me, is Harvard creating a net benefit in the world? Absolutely. I'm, I'm confident that there's so much good happening in terms of education. Harvard is an important and positive institution, but they also have a, a, a history of two racist views and to even slavery going, going back a um, uh, hundred years ago. So um, should we let Harvard off the hook? for things that they've done wrong. But does that mean that it's an evil institution? Not at all. And I think that um, things we can think about have their problems. And, and I don't mean to imply that all the problems, yeah, a minute ago we were talking about privilege. And um, if you ask me what universities most get wrong in the US, but it's probably true in other places, I am thinking as well. Um, what do they get wrong? I, I think that when they provide people with greater access, um, I think that that's a wrong that we do. I know that many elite universities um, in the US, including Harvard, uh, can policies where they give preferential treatment to the children of alumni, to the children of faculty, uh, of significant donors. And I think when we look back this era 30 years from now, that we look back and say, how could we possibly still have been doing that in 2022? I think Harvard's a fantastic institution. I think it's a fantastic and something's wrong in the past and we continue to do some things wrong in the future. I predict the case, um, but I think that we can all be less complicit in some institutions when they are doing something wrong. And by sort of writing about legacy admissions, uh, I'm, try I'm trying to avoid my own complicity in terms of being a professor at Harvard Institution has a policy that I certainly do not agree with. Max, you use this word privilege. Um, it's a word I hear all the time on the show and uh, in real life. What does it mean? It means gaining benefit of some aspect of our identity or our position in society. Um, often, um, it's privilege that we didn't do anything to do to earn that it might be reflective of how we were born. But it may also be privilege that was, and so I'm, I don't expect 
those who have some advantage in life to give up. I think we can be more aware of that and be aware of times when there's advantage being given to the particular group that we're a part of, whether it's based on race or gender. What's a business school professor doing writing about complicity? Isn't this a philosophy subject and a subject of ethics? Why don't you focus on how to run companies better? I, I think companies better and more, more, more ethically. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and to be fair, you've written a number of uh, award-winning books on business, but I'm just curious. You've, you've suddenly changed your spots, Max. You're, you're no longer a business professor. You're a philosopher. You're a bomb thrower philosopher, um, uh, perhaps a business ethicist, um, and um, to write about what I want to write about, which is one of the wonderful aspects of contemporary university. My interests have drifted over time from um, negotiation and decision-making ethics, particularly ethical behavior that people may not even be aware of their own ethical behavior. Good people to sometimes engage and bad behaviors, such as being complicit, without their own awareness. So like, like this book is any kind of radical shift. In fact, I wrote a book on ethics with Ann Tenbrun to go, um, and uh, as recently as 2020, I wrote a book called Better Not Perfect, a kind of a, a moral philosophy quite consistent with what, what we see in complicit, where I encourage if we can't be perfect. Um, so um, this this book is simple. I'm, I'm doing exactly what I think I should be doing. I'm, I'm working within the context of being a business lead as much value as I can. And writing this book is one piece of those efforts. I think it's one of the curiously, deliciously paradoxical natures of America that just as Thanksgiving is, is followed by Black Friday. So American business schools have become the, the moral ser seminaries of, of our culture. I don't know what that says about yeah, us. I, what, I, um... I, I, I know us have claimed to be the moral seminaries of our, our culture. But, uh, but I will say that, that over 20 years ago, the collapse of Enron and a variety of other scandals that happened prompted society to ask business schools, what are you going to, to do about this? Because you're training who have been at the core of some of the um, leading scandals. And the schools have, you know, picked up the charge that society has put at our, our feet and more to, to create a more ethical society. And, and uh, I'm not convinced by that at is, all, Max. I mean, the headlines today are of a young man called Sam Bankman-Fried, a representative of our liberal coastal elite, the child of... Um, two Stanford law professors, sort of moral seminaries on the West Coast, uh, or seminarians. He's another fraudster, another Bernie Madoff with FTX. Uh, Elizabeth Warren today is calling for his accountability. A um, lot of uh, mainstream <coughs> people are arguing that mainstream media, to use your word, is complicit. Um, some of the Celebrities like Tom Brady and Larry David, who were paid to advertise FTX, are also complicit. So two questions here. I, I'm sure that FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried is an example in your, not an example in your book, because it's a bit recent. But 
I don't buy the idea that, and again, I don't want to pick on Harvard Business School, Stanford Business School, all these different business schools. I don't see any evidence that America is any more ethical today than it was 20 years ago. Sure, you had Enron back then, but you've had Madoff, you've got FTX, you've got Elizabeth Holmes, you've got Harvey Weinstein. There's no, there's no moral purity in our society today, especially in our business culture. So, so Bateman Freed and the other um, very young executives at FTX and Alameda don't believe any of them were products of our um, MBA programs. Um, th these are smarties, but um, I, I don't see much connection to the business school question. I also did a highly moral business environment. Um, I hope that we're creating a more moral business would have if business schools simply ignored the ethics question um, entirely. And I'm kind of the FTX Alameda story because um, once again, we have a scandal to have made it into my book. Uh, basically, uh, the same week that my book was published, the, so what we do see already is that there are a variety of people who were complicitions uh, with the, with the the alleged illegal actions of fellow um, executives. Uh, to begin with, we have sort of the, the um, we also have Sequoia Capital, who did a 13,000-word um, piece on how, how wonderful Sam Bankman-Fried was, um, uh, propping up their own doing so. Um, and um, we also have the likes of, as you see, Bill Clinton, um, Giselle Bonjou, um, and other. I, I doubt had the skill to assess the crypto environment and cover to FDX and Sam Bankman-Fried at a level that I think. So, so why? Well, I, I take your point, and it's it's a great example. And again, it it seems to reflect the fact that these things don't go away. But who? I mean, clearly, you you mentioned Sequoia, you mentioned Clinton, you mentioned the people who are financially benefiting from advertising for this thing. But, but every time Tom Brady or Bill Clinton or Larry David's agent get a call, what are they supposed to do? Do an economic investigation of their advertiser? I mean, what about people who are advertising McDonald's or alcohol? Uh, is everyone um, complicit here? So I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. I, I, I do like red wine, however. Um, and you, are you do like what? Red wine. Well, that, that, that's no surprise from a Harvard Business School professor. You don't like McDonald's, but you like red wine. So it's okay to advertise well, red wine, but not McDonald's. I haven't made that pronouncement at all. You, you, perhaps you want to, but, but I wasn't making that pronouncement. Um, encourage any celebrity or um, any consultant, consulting engagement um, to deliberate more on whether they're creating more net harm by working with a particular organization. And I think when celebrities show organizations that they don't understand, um, they are running the risk of implicit if, in fact, there's wrongdoing within that financial organization. So, um, but, but let's what, use, what, I, I take what, your point, and, and, and no one would what, argue what, with what, that, what, but let's use the example of crypto. Crypto was a craze. I, I, no one's going to go back and clarify my last slide. Uh, what I'm, that 
as a, a I, I have some status as a business school professor, that status to endorse an organization that I don't think I can understand. So no, um, what, what they do in terms of beef, beef production is not acceptable. Effects um, on certainly not. They misled the public too much in terms of the climate change. It's green organizations that I do know. And if I didn't understand an organization, I would, in some detail, um, or, or I would pass on being connected to that organization. It's an interesting issue. We have the Pepsi-Cola uh, chief marketing officer on the show, um, Maurizio Puccini, um, who's very much in the business of this sort of altruistic ethics within corporations. Corporations can learn this game quite easily and find their way around the system, can't they? All right. I think many organizations do. We, we, we have organizations that create enormous, that also make strategic philanthropic contributions in order to put a positive. Um, so I, I think that we see this on a kind of quite regular basis. And I think we should organizations on their prime activities and whether or not the products and services that they're creating that benefit to society. So if we think about the tobacco industry, um, it, it, enormous harm to society. And the fact that, that they donate to the local symphony, in my mind at all, all from the harm that they're doing. Let's go back to Sam Bankman-Fried. I, I take your point, he isn't a product of a business school, though he's a product of elite universities, MIT and Stan, you know, his parents teach at Stanford. <laughs> um, he's also a huge champion of effective altruism, another rather fuzzy theory I know gets taught in business schools. Um, so he was ciphering off all the money he was stealing from people to uh, effective altruism. What, what, when it comes to complicity, the Sam Bankman-Fried story is kind of more complicated, isn't it? The Sam Bankman-Fried story is enormously complicated. So first of all, I, I, I'm not going to claim that he's to have um, taken money from FTX and, and and to prop up the investment um so you know I, i'm sure that there will be lots of people looking at that and um i'll be very closely um you can you raise your his, the connection to effective altruism uh, you know, sort of i think it, it it's a fuzzy concept because it's a movement and it's a movement that's it's in its fairly recent years um but early on it was heavily in and if you ask me, am I in favor of making philanthropic contribution, my answer is yes. Um, do I think that rich people should donate more? My answer is yes. Simple, very good concepts that have influenced the effect of altruism movement. More in some unusual directions with, with from my perspective, far more, uh, too much potential threats and, and, and bank and Fried was certainly part of that. Um, connected collapse is, is kind of a lot of criticism of the effective altruism movement because ideas in effective altruism is that one way to create good is to go make lots of money and then give services in the world. And, and since Bankman Fried may have been up to exactly that, um, th th that, that puts kind of a negative spin on parts of it effective altruism, maybe with a bath of water. Um, so from my perspective, 
perspective, um, if we think about doing more good, um, I like it. If we want to think about donating more, I like it. Um, do well-off friends to donate more? Absolutely. So there's lots of things about effective altruism I continue to like. And I also think that there are some fringe elements of the effective altruism more recently that were very connected to bank bankman free that I feel quite like um, I don't want to throw out an entire movement that, that has done a lot of good, good because that connection to a single individual who engaged in an alleged. Sam bankman free seems to be greedy for two things. One is virtue. The other is money. He stole, I think, a million people's uh, money for his crypto scam, FTX. Uh, what about the complicity of those million, those small investors, the people who threw $800 or $1,000 into FTX? Is there a degree of complicity for everyone who join the crypto mania given that there were many warnings a lot of people came out and said look there's no th this is a scam this is another tulip craze um and ultimately it's going to collapse so i think that they have some degree of complicity but i don't mean to be overly harsh on people um didn't understand the crypto world and trusted him based on listening to him um so i i want to be careful on condemning people, um, include that someone was complicit to some degree without necessarily condemning them. I get to the state where we won't be complicit with any harm for the rest of our lives. To be more deliberative, to be more thoughtful, and to be more careful so that we'll be less, less complicit in the future. Um, it, it's, it's very, very consistent with my prior book, Better Not Perfect, where I in the direction of creating more good in your life um, without the assumption that you're going, going to become a moral actor in every circumstance. Because I don't think we can do it, but we can become better. One man who's clearly much worse than better is Harvey Weinstein, very much in the news. There's a new film out about him, she said, um, which is getting very good reviews, devoid of sensationalism, according to The Atlantic. I know you cover the Weinstein case and the Me Too movement in the book. How, how do you use that in terms of complicity? I mean, does anyone, I mean, is, is Taran, Quentin Tarantino, for example, is he complicit in the, in the Weinstein case? Should we not see the Tarantino movies because Weinstein financed them and supported them? Um, with the easy parts. Um, so first of all, I haven't said, I haven't seen the new movie, um, but I've read the Weinstein episode, um, including Ken Oletta's book and and yeah, yeah, and and Ken Oletta was actually on the show, and you know he yeah. sort of politely sidesteps, I think, the issue of complicity or at least Hollywood's complicity, which yeah. seems fairly self-evident. But that's another question. Yeah, but a, a fascinating piece of um, fiction that just came out by Winnie Lee, um, who um, Harvey Weinstein-like story. Um, and her book is also called Look Specifically um, at the People Who Are Complicit Around, um, who, who I think is intended to remind us of Harvey Weinstein in lots of ways. So, you know, is he complicit? Yes, he was complicit. Um, does that mean that you should never see? I'm not, 
not going to um, make that pronouncement for all of your viewers and why they're watching the Quentin Tar Tarantino movie. I don't know whether they share my views of complicity, but there were the the the, the fascinating part of the Harvey Weinstein story number of complicities that surrounded Harvey Weinstein, who, despite the fact they had a very good idea of what's going on. And I think a lot, a lot of us sort of think about what are the leading, <coughs> what are the leading wrongs and how do we want to act in the future? Who's the person that we want to be? So it's often to, to be complicit and to ignore the harm. But what, when you look back on your life and what the individual you want to be, you're looking at it in the mirror. I would like to be less complicit over than in the past decade. Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue with that. The, the issue of complicity is very much in the news. Patrick Radden Keefe wrote a wonderful book. He was on the show about uh, the Sackler family's complicity, a self-evident complicity in the opioid crisis. Where does you, you write about that one, Max, too, in the book? Where does that stop? Clearly, the Sackler family are complicit, but should that mean we not allow them to put their name up on museums? Should we stop seeing their art? Do some of them need to go to jail? And uh, who else is complicit? I mean, Big Pharma as well as, of course, it's not just the Sacklers, it's all of Big Pharma when it comes to opioids. So happy to talk about Purdue um, Pharmaceutical reference, I think is terrific, as is Ian Ayer's book, um, Death in Mudlick, which opioid, um, uh, scandal um, in a in a small community. Um, so there's been so much written about that I benefited from in writing my own book on it. Um, but so, so starting with the Sackler family, I think, uh, Sackler family. I think that, that they've um, obviously Richard Sackler being a kind of a point person, but the failure of the family and, and recognize the harm that they've done and move forward in a productive ways simply finishing so yes are, are, are what i consider much of the rest of the sackler family absolutely um i, I wouldn't want to miss mckinsey who guided um into so many of the steps um that led to the deaths of so many mckinsey was kind of like uh, mckinsey they, these uh, are the big consulting group it's interesting you bring up mckinsey because there's a new book out, um, uh, critical of, what? directly critical of McKinsey, um, that we're going to be doing a show. And, and of course, many of your graduates from Harvard Business School go to McKinsey. So I'm particularly curious as your take on McKinsey, not just in the in the Sackler case, but yeah. also more broadly. Yeah. So uh, so uh, absolutely. So just uh, on Purdue, because it, it, it's not just McKinsey; it's also the the three large who were distributing opioids at levels that didn't make any sense, Walgreens, CVS, who are now paying enormous fees for their contribution to the deaths of so many people, solicitors um, along the way, doctors who were writing prescriptions to get their pay while collecting their fee. Um, so, so the Purdue pharmaceutical story is a misnomer of problematic complicities. Um, yes, yes um, so um, McKinsey comes to town, documents lots of 
um, McKinsey complicity. Another piece that uh, that I also cover um, in, in complicit how McKinsey had a negative influence on the insurance industry. So if we go back 40 claims agents at insurance companies felt the moral responsibility claim and McKinsey basically taught them that you can make more money by paying less than um, and this is um, uh, uh, sort of documented um, deny um, de delay defend um, and in the book when when McKinsey comes to town and I I think that McKinsey has been stories of companies moving toward doing more evil um, and I view senior management at McKinsey quite responsible for an immoral failure. Yeah, Mariana, uh, the, the author of the, the new book on McKinsey is Mariana Mazzucciuto. I'm sure you know her work. It's quite a, quite a smart... Um, so, Andrew, I, I'm talking about uh, the book by Walt Bogdanovich and co-author... Right, no, I know you're talking about a different book, but I'm saying the book I'm we're going to be doing on on McKinsey and this um, this culture is by uh, Mariana uh, Mazzucciuto, who will be on the show next year. You also cover um, uh, the Elizabeth Holmes case. She just went to jail. Was there complicity with her investors? I'm curious. A lot of innocent George Schultz, Henry Kissinger, she found all these old men that she charmed and lied to in terms of investing in Theranos. Was there complicity there with the Schultzes and Kissingers of the world, Max? Yes, but, but going backwards, just to be clear, prisoner jail at this point in time, she's been sentenced. Right, um, yeah, but, she's but been sentenced. She... Absolutely. The, the board of Theranos was kind of fascinating uh, in terms of a story. Most famous people of our, uh, of our time um, who sat on the board and basically um, um, were charmed by Elizabeth Holmes and treated her um, and didn't bother to notice that they weren't asking tough questions, um, hint that came their way, that, that they didn't have the, the expertise to evaluate the medical technology. Um, so uh, when I think people take positions um, of over firm or a credit rating agency, or sitting on a board of a, of, a, of a moral responsibility to make sure that we have the knowledge and the courage that we're providing the diligence um, that our position requires of us. And Henry Kissinger, um, uh, General Mattis, and, and others really failed. Yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it's a delicious irony that Kissinger and Schultz lost all their money, given that they're supposed to be the hard-headed uh, exponents I, I, of the realist foreign I, policy. I, well, uh, uh, George Schultz has passed away, but I, I, don't, I don't think that Henry Kissinger is going to run out of I don't think that the money is going to be a problem for him. But uh, the board was not the only complicitor. I mean, is kind of Walgreens being obsessed with CVS getting a deal done before they did, basically brought this equipment into their pharmacy, um, false diagnoses to their patients, despite having lots of warnings. I, I think 
Walgreens piece of complicity um, in terms of Theranos story. Where are these people, Max, coming from? The Elizabeth Holmes, another character you deal with in your book, and we did a show about him, uh, Adam uh, Newman of, of WeWorks. Uh, she has a book out, uh, The Cult of We, WeWork, Adam Newman and the Great Startup Delusion. Are these people like Newman and Holmes and the Sackler family, are they just they, do they need to spend a little bit of time in Max Basaman's class? Are they just missing some sort of ethical guidance? What's wrong with them? Yeah, so the world has always had unethical characters. And um, Andrew, I'm going to fess up to you. Huh? The, the next bad person from emerging and creating harm. If I did, I would work on that topic. But I honestly don't think I have the clinical knowledge or nor do the rest of academia to stop wrongdoers from emerging <coughs> could not do the bad things that they do with any of us. And I think that the way to reduce harm in the future isn't by thinking we should to reform Elizabeth Holmes, but, but rather to educate her, to think about about the role that they want to play so that they're less complicit in the future. And what about, finally, Max, um, and I apologize to our audience that there are some audio issues here. Max is on an iPad, so his regular computer didn't work. I hope everyone will be able to follow this because it's a very interesting conversation. What about the role of regulation and the state here? Because clearly some people will be listening to this and saying, well, the real problem is with American capitalism and its architectural form. There simply isn't enough regulation. There could be regulation of, and, and this is what Elizabeth Warren is calling for more broadly with crypto, that Newman should have been regulated, that there should have, I mean, there's always going to be liars and thieves like Elizabeth Holmes, but isn't the issue just simply more aggressive regulation? Um, it's not simply, because I don't think we can come up with perfect, we should regulate better absolutely i think um sort of our kind of our redeeming people who claim to be independent auditors to be rewarded for keeping their clients happy it's regulatory system um but it's not simply america we could take a look at any developed um both similar scandals but similar regulatory failures um so different have approached for, for example auditor independence and different ways, but none of them evil that's created by allowing independent auditors to profit by happy, destroying their ability to be independent to begin with. So, so um, yes, I think smarter regulation across, across lots of different fronts. And I think we in America have been in a number of developed economies that are confronting similar Let's just end up with politics, Max, because that's my favorite thing, as regular viewers know. You also touch on January 6th. Do we all have a degree of complicity here? Um, we've had a number of shows. In fact, I'm doing a debate about January 6th at Intelligence Square in New York next month. And not just January 6th, but Trump himself. I'm guessing that you and I are probably on the same side when it comes to not being great fans of Donald Trump. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. Uh, I, I, I'll go backwards and say um, this blind as, as of January 1st, 20, 
2021. It was the events of January 6, 20 motivated the theme of complicity. Because I was stunned by the fact that there were so many people I might not agree with politically, but I would have never have suspected, would have supported white suppression of democracy to the degree to, to which they did. The number of Republicans who supported truly undemocratic action, I, I find quite shocked to Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney um, in some of their acts of courage as movements that in shockingly impressive ways. So I think you're correct in assessing you of Donald Trump. I'm not a fan. Um, but once again, I think that we will have evil in the future and we need people to be less complicit in order to provide whether it's in politics or in business.